Welcome to another edition of the Education and Sports Therapy Matters podcast with me, your host, Michael Cole. Education and Sports Therapy Matters is a space to talk about issues of interest for anyone involved in healthcare, sports medicine and MSK physical therapy, be they practitioners, patients, managers, students or educators, or indeed all of the above, like myself. On today's episode, we'll be chatting about e-clinics. So in other words, any sort of online services, rehab, telehealth, virtual fitness, any sort of provision of services um, via video calling over the web. I'm delighted to be joined today by three fantastic guests, each with different experiences and perspectives on e-clinics. We have a doctor from a GP practice not far from where I lecture at the University of East London, a chartered physiotherapist from the NHS's leading MSK provider, and the health and fitness manager from SportsDoc, the multi-million pound state-of-the-art sports centre, which is the home of East London Sport. Before they introduce themselves, I'll just remind listeners to follow us on Twitter at Cole underscore therapy underscore ed. And please do hit like, comment and retweet. We really do appreciate it. And it's always great to engage with you on Twitter. So let's meet today's guests. We have Dr. Abirami Yogendran, consultant physiotherapist Matthew Wyatt and health and fitness manager John Watkins. Uh, could you each introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? So, um, Dr. Yogendran, would you like to go first? Thank you, Michael. My name is Abby Yogendran. I'm a GP in Hackney, as you mentioned. And um, I'll just be talking a little bit about my experience of e-consulting in this past year. Thank you. Uh, Matthew? Matthew, I think your microphone's not on for the for this device. Please double check that for us. Can you hear me now, Michael? Perfect. Go ahead, Matthew. Yeah. Hi, all. I'm Matthew White. I'm a consultant physiotherapist with Connect Health. Um, I practice clinically in southwest London in Croydon and Merton, um, but also I'm head of MSK practice for Connect Health. Um, so leading, educating, um, and working with clinicians across our 20 services. Thank you. And John? Hi, I'm John Watkins. I'm the fitness centre manager at Sportstock. Uh, it's a multi-million pound uh, facility. Uh, we can actually just go through the vast different types of uh, you know, online uh, offerings we actually have now at Sportstock, uh, which have actually pretty much all been developed over the lockdown. So it's pretty exciting stuff. Fantastic. I think that's a, probably a familiar thing for all of us, isn't it? That you know, a speedy increase in this type of provision due to the you know the, the COVID nineteen pandemic. So based around that. I'm going to start with you, Matthew. Could you tell us a little bit about your experiences and what you do with kind of e-clinic and online provision for MSK? Sure. Um, so prior, prior to the pandemic, we were doing a lot of telephone health anyway. So 75% um, of patients who were referred to us were entering our services via telephone um, appointments where we would um, sort of do a simple screening, uh, maybe get themselves managing and um, then refer them into the right pathways. Um, at the start of the pandemic, we then switched that to 100% of our consultations and also moved to video as well. And we also started to do um, online exercise classes via Facebook and Teams Live. Um, and what we, we found um, is that, yeah, we're managing successfully a lot of patients online, although there are certain patients and certain appointments that just don't work with that. So um, 
we found that we, our imaging rates and referral rates have actually gone up slightly from our more complex uh, appointments. So we've put those back to face to face. Um, but all the sort of more routine appointments, simpler conversations work really well remotely and patients seem to value not having to take huge chunks of time off work to do it. So successful so far. Fantastic. I think we're going to I'm going to come back to that, that sort of screening and red flag con concerns in, in, a, in a moment. There's some really important stuff there. Um, let's first go to um, to John. John, can you tell us a little bit about your experiences with, with online provision? Yeah, I have to say, so prior to, prior to lockdown, it was kind of a, a conversation that the managers here at Sportstock were actually really thinking about in terms of actually developing some form of uh, online you know, perspective, whether that's classes, uh, application or so on and so forth. To be fair, since the lockdown, we, we it did kind of uh, escalate pretty fast because we actually had to provide uh, provide uh, sort of fitness uh, fitness courses and fitness classes for uh, for students who were actually uh, in lockdown, especially uh, the ones that were actually stuck in halls. As, you know, so that was pretty difficult. So we actually then decided to actually just try on YouTube just to develop uh, some on uh, on demand classes which people could choose. Um, and since then, it's actually developed more. So we we now have uh, East London Sport. We have two two specific apps which were actually used for students and staff and also public members we've got a moves app which is more more directed at uh, students and staff to actually just get them moving um, and generally get awards from there and win prizes for different things you actually do which is actually a great app to have uh, but then we actually have the more more sport you know, fitness orientated app which is the sports stock app which is actually more for health and fitness which actually has a lot of on-demand classes now in live streaming classes uh, you're actually able to actually have uh, online programming which is pretty exciting which we actually just recently developed so we've actually gone from absolutely zero to 100 in a very short period of time which is great it's good it's good stuff to have excellent good good to hear so i think in a moment we'll come i'll come back to you and, and we might discuss um the app i think you know you know asking some questions around what was the uptake like and kind of any surprises and any advantages of that so we'll, we'll come back to that in just a moment john um and abby what's what's your experience with kind of um the, the virtual healthcare side of things I think very similar to what um, the others have said. Initially, we weren't really doing a lot of telephone consultations um, as sort of a default. Um, but within the first few weeks to months of lockdown, we were suddenly you know, fully telephone triage and then only seeing patients face to face where absolutely necessary. I think my experience of the sort of video side of things hasn't been as positive maybe or as useful for, as, as it has been for the other two. Um, mostly in the sense because of the kind of patient cohort, I suppose, that we're dealing with. Um, if you're dealing with people who are not used to using technology, although I say that and the four of us had a bit of trouble getting onto this today. Um, but if patients are having trouble accessing or knowing how to use the um, sort of systems, it's, it can be quite challenging. Awesome. Thank you. OK, so and, and again, we'll come back to some of those issues around uh, potential problems or barriers and how they might be overcome or not um so yeah thank you for that so matthew going, going back to what you were saying about um, some of the more more screening for serious pathology and, and some of the changes you you may have made since could you tell us a bit more about that and perhaps also maybe touch on any other um issues that, that you had to overcome uh sure um so I suppose we, we've we've always done telephone consultations and always found it quite effective at screening for red flag and serious pathology. In fact, um, probably when I started doing it, I was quite 
quite impressed and I'm still I'm quite impressed by the things that colleagues pick up over the phone. Probably because we know a lot of the subjective history is is king, particularly think of something like quarter aquinas syndrome. It's it's subjective features rather than necessarily hard objective examination findings. So I don't think that's changed. I suppose where we, we struggle is more the where you would just lay your hands on a patient have a feel or something have a look at something and say with confidence actually no you don't need an image or something like that 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 gray area has crept in and even in my own personal practice that i found myself requesting mris and um, onward referrals just to kind of allay slight anxieties which i don't think would have been true if i'd been able to physically examine the patient in the room um so so for that reason we've kind of brought back a lot of our consultations where we're making decision about imaging onward referral into a face-to-face um but keeping as many as we can not that way so really that there's got to be a really good reason to put them in a room Mm. um and, and that's that's seems to be working quite well the other thing is that yeah not dragging a patient into a clinic room to just do a simple review or have a simple conversation you could have done over the phone really plays well with the patient population fantastic i think that's a really interesting point because we at the university of east london we we ran a small scale pilot for clinical placements for our students so instead of the patients physically coming into our on-campus clinic they uh, we did it online and what we found was really valuable was how much it reinforced and emphasized to the students the importance of the subjective uh, assessment um, because obviously as you just rightly said that, that there's so much almost everything you can get from that with regard to those those more serious pathologies so that was something that we found as well um, and we kind of also we students and staff were a little bit wary about perhaps developing that those aspects of therapeutic alliance without being physically there when patients expect you to touch and put their hands on. And, and that's something that maybe chimed with what you said there. Yes. Yeah, 100%. And, and again, it's not, as Abby said, it's not for all um, that, that there are some people who are just completely resistant to it and always have been to telephone and want to be seen and touched. And that's fair enough. And I think that's where we should be working is, is the choice agenda that people get to choose whether they take the time off work to come into the appointment or whether they do it from the, the staff room. Um, and, and it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Fantastic, yeah. So the element of choice, again, when we come back to sort of our person-centred or patient-centred care, that's, that seems to be key again, doesn't despite all the technology. Um, so, yeah, moving on, Jonathan. Um, so in terms of the app, how, how do you found, have you sort of reflected and evaluated on, on, on the implementation of the app and how that might support online health fitness exercise? Yeah, so we've actually, uh, since we're actually developing, uh, developed it and actually uh, let go, we've actually had quite a big uptake from our from our own membership base. And we've actually, which has been fantastic. Um, we've then kind of looked into it a little bit more deeply. So, for example, we're actually using a, a, a system called Vimeo to actually now be able to actually live stream um, and also have our on-demand classes. So we've got a, within the app, you've actually got just touch a button and you'll actually be straight there to actually either you know, go into a live class or be able to actually uh, look at some form of uh, on-demand uh, library, which we have, uh, which is great. And that actually works really well. But further to that, I think with programming, it has been a bit of more of a challenge. Um, and I get, have to say what both Matthew and um, uh, Abby have actually been saying about some people would actually like to be in, in the gym, feel safe and be actually 
uh, able to actually use the fitness facility and others who actually want to train from home. It's been, you know, been quite a remarkable difference between the two. So we've developed this kind of fitness coaching uh, concept, which actually allows us to be able to you know, coach online um, with, with some people who are actually wanting to do some home, home programming um, and also be able to actually do some program with people actually here as well. Um, so we're, we're actually able through the app to actually you know, send out program, you know, programming of all different types, whether it's a calisthenic type program, which can be actually be more uh, based for home kind of use or, or a program which basically is more like you know, a bodybuilding program, which we can actually use here. But it allows our, our uh, instructors to actually then be able to see them on a biweekly basis. We actually do this uh, via uh, Vimeo to actually uh, to, to stream live to them and actually just ask, answer any questions or anything else. So it has allowed us to actually be able to uh, develop something outside of sports stock, which is great, um, but also be able to you know, do it with people inside of sports stock and give, you know, kind of have that choice between you know, whether you actually want to be at home or you actually want to train, uh, train in the gym. Excellent. That's so interesting. And can I ask you about the, the, the kind of practical side of things like parkues or any sort of screening you do? Is that all done electronically and, and they get a form and that sort of stuff? Yeah, so we're actually just about to actually develop a digital membership. But uh, with all of the actual memberships we actually put out, we have a commitment statement which uh, will which the member would actually write. So you know, committing we commit to them a certain amount of things. They commit to us that they're fit and healthy, in effect. Um, and actually, that allows us to actually incorporate anything that we actually do both in and outside of sports stock. The other thing to say is now with wearables, is we we can now actually you know accurately see what they you know what people members are doing outside of the sports stock as well as in, which is great. So we've got all that data to hand to see. If they've actually gone for a long walk or you know outside or they've gone for a run outside or actually they've gone and you know done about you know i don't know eight minutes on a on a rower you know inside of sports stock so again it, it all kind of pushes into our app and we're actually able to exactly see what they those guys have done you know as long as they haven't been attached to their dog and let their dog run around with it you know <laughs> yeah that's interesting with the wearables you know is that next step adding audio to it put down that cheeseburger etc but you know thanks <laughs> that's really helpful um so, Abby, um, in terms of kind of um, you're a general practitioner, you're a doctor, so it's obviously it's not just MSK that you're that you're seeing, mm -hmm. uh, not just general fitness and lifestyle, but in terms of things that you might have learned from it or or obstacles that actually it did, didn't really work. Is there anything that you could share with us to help us learn from that? Sure, I think um, you know, as you say, it sort of really depends on the patient um, and and also the clinician actually because. I think what you touched on earlier about maybe more referrals and investigations because it's not satisfying for us either sometimes having a, a sort of virtual consultation and so maybe we're not able to sort of give that full reassurance to the patient and that sort of leads to more referrals and frequent you know um att reattendance and things like that um, but certainly in terms of um, other conditions um you know during lockdown where it was impossible for some people to physically come in if they were shielding isolating or they were um you know sort of not local and staying with family and things it was really useful to eyeball a patient when you were speaking to them um how unwell they are um, and things like that especially with children i think it's really useful if you're dealing with a sort of a, a sick child with a fever if you can see them it, it helps a lot um, in terms of the things that you miss out on, though, it's all those sort of the, obviously the history taking is so important. And when you're doing a virtual um, consultation, I think that makes you sort of focus on that much more and do a better job at that. Um, but you do miss all the you know, when you call a patient into your room and you see them walking in, you're assessing how they're moving their gait, just sort of generally how they are, um, sort of you know, before you start trying to examine them. And I think that that's really important thing that you miss out on um, virtually. 
Um, but otherwise, yes, I do agree. I think now that we're sort of out of that lockdown um, phase and things, it's it's great that it's given us um, a choice to be able to allow people for, who that, that does work for and don't have time to come in, as you say, have to take off in time off work and things. So it's great for the for those people um, and sort of quick things that we can just talk about over the phone. There's lots of things we can do um, virtually that we don't need to see people for. So the although it's sort of come about in a really obviously negative way, it's, it's been great to sort of force change and make it happen much quicker than it would have done otherwise. Mm, great stuff. So I think I'm, I'm feeling from all three of you, and it was certainly the case in our pilot, that, that it's actually a really useful, effective, satisfying way of doing it for some people and not others, but probably in a surprising amount that, you know, it's going to be integral to services moving forward for all of us, but not obviously the only thing that, that happens. Um, in a moment, I'm just going to ask you, A, if you have any questions for each other, and also if you um, have anything you briefly want to promote or share. But before that, I have one final question for all three of you. Um, and this is more around learning, teaching and assessment. Um, so if I, as, a, as an educator, was looking for placements for my students, and, and I'm talking about e-clinical placements here, um, could you sort of summarise perhaps what, what advice you would give a student about to embark on, a, on joining you on an e-clinical placement? What, what sort of things could they expect? What might they do to best prepare themselves for it? Um, I'm gonna to go to Matthew first again. Um, thank you. Um, yeah, no, we've, we've had a lot of experience about um, virtual placements and actually published a paper in the BMJ Open about um, taking students on virtual placements. I, I think that there are profound differences between a, a um, virtual placement and a real placement, um, some positive, some negative. The, the negatives are the obvious ones that you're not going to get hands-on experience of patients, which for a physical profession like physio sports or anything like that, you're going to... Um, struggle with some areas of evidence and skills but it's more than compensated in other areas i think on a traditional placement particularly when you're with an educator you tend to kind of follow them around and you're told what to do by the educator and they kind of spoon feed you a little bit i think on a uh, virtual placement the student can take a lot more ownership of their learning experience they can choose how they engage what tools they engage with and um, can often do a deeper level of learning um, so for example whereas in a physio department you might be a student and you come in and see a lot of patients with your educator back to back and there's often little time for reflection and um, research in those patients whereas on a virtual placement you can listen into a couple of consultations and then spend some time doing some reflection reading um, clinical reasoning around those patients to get a greater depth of knowledge um, so definitely pros and cons of the placement type excellent thank you um abby so i don't know that um that that would sort of work for for medical training because I think you do really need to sort of physically see patients and you know some examination seeing how to recognize signs and things like that but I don't know how that will sort of be incorporated into the future I think maybe more training as a medical student to to help to move towards a more virtual um kind of assessment but I don't know that that's really started yet or is is in the process of being done Right. Yeah. And that's an important point because, you know, for our curriculum as well, we're, we're looking at right, if this is going to be one supplementary method of providing um, sports and exercise medicine, our students need to be competent in it. So, so we're thinking about right, where does that come in our curriculum? Now? Is, is it a bolt on? Is it something else? So that's a really interesting, you know, part of, you know, of, of how 
we move forward with that sort of stuff, particularly on like a medical medical curriculum. Thank you. Um, so, John, I know, um, in terms of multidisciplinary teams, you may get different practitioners. It might not just be um, personal trainers and exercise scientists. It could be other people working with you on these sort of exercise classes and that sort of thing. Is, have you got any sort of tips or insights for any students that might in the future uh, come to work with you on this specific pathway? Yeah, I think it's really exciting times in terms of uh, fitness because it has really changed, especially over lockdown. Um, I think, uh, you know, actually uh, being a, uh, an instructor, a personal trainer who's actually coming on, you really do now have to actually understand social media and be prepared to actually be uh, filmed and the like, you know, whilst actually using it because of our social media site, at UEL, uh, uh, UEL Sports Doc on Instagram has been fantastic. And we've actually had to, you've used that just as much as any other uh, fitness provision we've actually used. Um, um, yeah, I think a lot of my instructors are actually uh, a little bit camera shy, which has actually caused a lot of problems when we're doing fitness classes because we're having to do dual use. So actually, uh, classes uh, both in the uh, upstairs you know, with, with people around and also being filmed at the same time, and that, that's, that's quite daunting. So it, it, the whole kind of you know, fitness provision and how we're actually uh, instructing is changing, which is great. It's good fun and it's, it's exciting times. But I, I think the, the the most important thing is just get used to being on a camera. Excellent. Thank you. I think Matthew, you 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 mentioned the BJSM article, and it's, it'd be useful for me to just give a shout out now. When when we were doing our pilot, what we found was really really helpful was um, Connect Health's eight point guide to setting up virtual student placements, which is a really lovely kind of summary of how to do it. So anyone listening and and, and hasn't done it yet, I would, I would sort of direct you to that. Um, and also, I think it was Paul uh, um in the BJSM last year, volume 54, they did a generic sport and exercise medicine guide to assessing an, in, an athlete with a sports injury remotely. And again, that was really useful for us on our pilot. Um, do you have any questions for each other or anything you would like to share or promote before we go? I'll go to John first. Guys, yeah, the, uh, I don't really necessarily have any questions at all, but uh, I would like to actually just push our uh, sports.website. Please go onto that. You, if you want to actually get onto a live stream class from there, please just go onto the exercise class part and you will actually see the directions to actually get yourself onto a live class, which is pretty awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, if you actually are looking to download the Moves app, if you just literally go to uh, uh, Moves uh, on any kind of app store, you'll be able to download it. Choose East London Sport once you've got it and you're away to go. Fantastic. Thank you. Happy anything you'd like to share or promote no just uh, thank you for having me on and it's been really interesting to hear the sort of exciting developments and how other sort of industries are using it so it's great to hear that thank you great stuff Matthew um just to reiterate what you've said about um yeah anybody after our student resources are all on the connect health homepage. we've got a student section about doing virtual student placements and tips and experience and links to our papers um, and, and the other thing to add is anybody um, within the MDT, we're now, along with a lot of providers, looking to um, expand MDTs and um, open our doors, not just to physiotherapists, but all the MDT to work in MSK and treating patients um, post the pandemic. So have a look at our website and get in touch if you're interested. Fantastic. OK, so that just leaves me to say a massive thank you to all three of you for joining us. Um, I'm really, really privileged and fortunate that you, had, you gave us the time. It's been very interesting. Um, and hopefully we'll see you all soon. Um, this has been another episode of Education and Sports Therapy Matters. We hope to see you soon on the next one. Bye-bye.